Thank you, thank you. Um, let me just get situated here. I can have, uh, I, want, I need this front row to be filled before I even start. Got one more chair. <clears throat> so I'm just going to get straight into it, and tonight's going to be a little bit more teaching than preaching, um, but I believe it's going to help all of us. Um, so let me pray real quick, actually, first. Uh, Father, I pray that you just speak through me and help this to all um, spur us on to live more like you uh, tomorrow and on into our future. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. How much a dollar costs? How much a dollar costs? We'll get to that. But James Baldwin once said, to be black in America and relatively conscious is to live in a constant state of anger. James Baldwin. And I'll give you guys an instance this year in my life. Um, ever, anybody ever have a, just a God-given idea? Like, you know, if you guys watch some old cartoons and, like, the, the light bulb kind of just blinks on, right? Um, so that happened to me this, this, well, I mean, it happens pretty frequently. But in this area, it happened to me in the middle of January. Uh, God gave me a really cool idea in how to... Uh, really just give back into the community. Um, and so it was really just to rebrand one of our bags of coffee for the, the month of February, Black History Month. And so um, I reached out to a friend who is a little bit more connected uh, to community, um, and specifically in the West End. And he pointed me to a couple different places. And so we chose uh, No More Red Dots, um, a an organization that's in the West End, like on the streets, in the streets. Um, they told me one statistic, which is kind of crazy. He said within 12 hours of a shooting in the West End, they basically know who did it, what happened, and everything. And I was like, what? Like, that's just crazy to think that you're so into, so interwoven in a community that you just know, whether it's gang-related or anyway. But so, yeah, so we 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 picked no more red dots. And so part of the proceeds of uh, the sale of Inkwell for that entire month was going to go to them to help them um, do uh, bigger and better things because um, they have a lot of stuff going on. And so, I mean, I like Janet could probably tell you, I was so excited. I got in all my bags. Right. I got in my modeling bag. I don't know if you guys follow Quills Coffee. Shout out Quills on Instagram, um, but I, I was doing some modeling. Um, my creativity was off the charts. I mean, creating the label, um, creating uh, the, like the paragraphs and stuff that was on Instagram as well, uh, just the, the words and the paragraphs and how to say things um, in, uh, in the best light um, and uh, to really uh, highlight people. Um, and then also I just got in, so like highlighting corporations and organizations, that was also something we did was, you know, we pointed out some organizations, not only No More Red Dots, but other places that people could be a part of and give. Um, and so I was just excited. At the end of the month, we gave away a little bit of money. I mean, it wasn't crazy. I mean, we're a small coffee shop. We have a couple coffee shops. Um, but we were able to give away money to people that could use it to help further along the, the message of peace. 
And so a couple months later, I found out actually, um, again, to be relatively conscious and black in America is live in a constant state of anger. A couple months later, I found out that enough people of influence, um, AKA white people, um, said that they were uncomfortable enough. So enough people got around that said that they were uncomfortable with it. And it even to the point where somebody mentioned that they regretted, the, somebody that helped me kind of get everything on track said that they regretted doing it. And you could actually probably ask Janet again, but I was, I was pretty hot. <laughs> um, and you know, we might not do it again, we might do it again, I don't know. But all I know is we, we helped somebody that was in the community, that's in the community. Um, so I'm glad we did it, and uh, you know I'm I'm sorry if I offended anybody, but not really sorry. Um, sorry, some colors on a bag, um, and giving some money away to people that need it really bugged you. Um, but at the end of the day, there's room enough for all of us, right? Right. Um, there's a, a famous saying that it says, "You don't have to put out my light for all of us to shine." God is for us all. It's really simple. But uh, you don't have to take my word for it. Uh, let's see what the word says. So let's go to Acts 10, 34 and 35. And we're going to be reading out of the Passion Translation. Um, and this is with uh, Cornelius and Peter. And it's going to be up there. But actually, I wanted to go back. Um, after going back through... I'm going to read verse 28 and 29 as well and then kind of jump around. But um, this is really good. Basically, um, Cornelius was given a vision to reach out to Peter. And then Peter was given a vision um, or given a vision, given a trance. And it's about, um, you know, the sheet comes down and there's a lot of unclean animals and stuff in the sheet. And uh, God tells him to kill, um, go prepare them to be eaten. He says, ah. You know, this is against Jewish law. This isn't right. Um, we'll pick it up in verse 28. It says, uh, Peter said to them, basically, Peter was brought to Cornelius, who was not Jewish. And he said, you all know that it is against the Jewish laws for me to associate with or even visit the home of one who is not a Jew. Yet God has shown me that I should never view anyone as inferior or ritually unclean. So when you sent for me, I came without objection. Now may I ask why you sent for me? That's 28 and 29. We'll kind of skip ahead to the verse 34. Um, it said, Peter said, now I know for certain that God doesn't show favoritism with people, but treats everyone on the same basis. It makes no difference what race of people one belongs to. If they show deep reverence for God and are committed to doing what's right, they are acceptable before him. Basically, guys, like, hey, these, these Gentiles are homies too, like, we can we can all get along like that. This is good. So um, it's 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 pretty. I don't know. For me, it's pretty just obvious and pretty blatant. And I wanted to take this moment right now to thank uh, Pastor Jordan and all the leadership here um, that really, uh, you know, puts forth an effort to to really to not showcase this, but they don't shy away from it. You know, uh, whenever I started coming here, when I moved down to Southern Indiana, 
I've always felt accepted. I've always felt a part of the group. And so it's been awesome. And um, when this stuff has popped up, I've had a few conversations here and there with people um, that they've showed concern about what was going on. And so, um, yeah, I wanted to thank uh, Pastor Jordan and the leaders for just the opportunity to speak on this um, and to continue to care. Um, because honestly, some churches frown upon speaking about this stuff, you know, um, you know, preach Jesus and, and only him crucified. And that, that ultimately that is the answer when people see what Jesus has done, you know, it's, it's kind of, again, it's obvious. It's, it's a little blatant, um, what Jesus did throughout the scriptures, but, um, you know, it's true that just Jesus and him crucified is the answer, but I'm also glad that I serve a God that cares for me, for me, for all my intricacies, for all my uniqueness, cares for you just the same, whatever color you are. And it's, it's again, Jesus going throughout the whole Bible, Jesus caring for the lost and the least. I mean, that should say volumes to people. And a lot of people, especially in, in some churches, can get pretty, pretty adamant about it. And it's, it's kind of sad, really. But I also wanted to bring out in Luke 10, uh, 25 through 37, we're going to read, read a little parable. Jesus just smacking some homies across the face with some stuff. This is good. I love, I love Jesus. Jesus is awesome. Luke 25 through 37, about 12 verses, so I'm, I'm sure y'all can handle it, right? Okay. Where are you, Justin Brown? I got you. Luke 10, 25 through 37. And we're going to read, so just buckle up. It says, just then a religious scholar stood before Jesus in order to test his doctrines. He posed this question, teacher, what requirement must I fulfill if I want to live forever in heaven? Jesus replied, what does Moses teach us? What do you read in the law? <clears throat> the religious scholar answered, it states you must love the Lord God with all your heart, all your passion, all your energy, and your every thought, and you must love your neighbor as well as you love yourself. Jesus said that is correct. Now go and do exactly that, and you will live. Wanting to justify himself, took a step too far, he questioned Jesus further, saying, what do you mean by my neighbor? Jesus replied, listen, and I will tell you, there once was a Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho who bandits robbed him along the way. They beat him severely, stripped him naked, and left him half dead. Soon a Jewish priest walking down the same road came upon the wounded man. Seeing him from a distance, the priest crossed to the other side of the road and walked right past him, not turning to help him one bit. Later, a religious man, a Levite, came walking down the same road and likewise crossed to the other side to pass by the wounded man without stopping to help him. Finally, another man, a Samaritan, came upon the bleeding man and was moved with tender compassion for him. He stooped down and gave him first aid, pouring olive oil on his wounds, disinfecting them with wine, and bandaging them to stop the bleeding. Lifting him up, he placed him on his own donkey and brought him to an inn. Then he took him from his donkey and carried him to a room for the night. The next morning, he took his own money from his wallet um, and it was about two days wages is what I saw when researching this and looking it up a little bit deeper and gave it to the innkeeper with these words, take care of him until I come back from my journey. 
If it costs more than this, I will repay you when I return. So now tell me which one of the three men who saw the wounded man proved to be the true neighbor. The religious scholar responded, the one who demonstrated kindness and mercy. Jesus said, you must go and do the same as he. And it's pretty easy to translate this into the modern day. Obviously, the Jewish were the, the kind of the height of society. Um, and then the Levites were kind of right under them. They were kind of more servants within the temple. Um, but if you look at it, I mean, you can translate it pretty easily to, you know, if a Jew walked by somebody, you know, maybe a, a prominent pastor, um, you know, just walking across and just kind of leaving them. Um, you can even think of, you know, maybe a sheriff or somebody, a politician, maybe even just kind of walks by. Um, but I, but thinking about the Samaritan, I mean, they were really looked down upon in that society. So, I mean, even in modern day America now, maybe, maybe a Muslim, maybe someone from Mexico, um, whatever person that's being demonized or looked down upon at this moment, um, they came by and helped him. And it's crazy. I mean, he's, it says, I'll read it again. He stooped down and gave him first aid, pouring olive oil on his wounds, disinfecting them with wine, bandaging them to stop the bleeding, lifting them up, placed them on his own donkey and brought them to an inn, took him from his donkey, carried him to the room. The next morning, he took his money from his own wallet, gave it to the innkeeper, take care of him until I come back. And if it costs more than this, I will repay you when I return. Jesus is such a gangster because the guy asked him, what do you mean by my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? I don't know if he meant this, but it kind of sounds kind of exclusionary. Like he wants to be like, well, who, who can I not? Right? Like, let me, let me cross off a couple people like Joe down the street here. Like, I don't really like him. He, he really ain't my neighbor, though, right? And Jesus is like, no, how can you be a neighbor? Not who is my neighbor, but how can I be a neighbor? It's just a beautiful picture of compassion and empathy that hopefully as we learn more about this and as, as maybe we, we think about it in the next couple of days and into the future, hopefully if the church gets a hold of this, we can really flip the world on its head. Um, so I kind of want to move over to um, how much a dollar costs. Um, and so this is actually a song uh, by Kendrick Lamar, and it's based on a true story about when he was touring down in South Africa, and he was approached by a panhandler. And he really felt like God was speaking to him. And so there's a lot... Um, to the song, there's a lot of different things, but I just kind of wanted to point out just something that some things that I kind of gleaned from it. Um, so I was going to play the song and then I was going to uh, like read the lyrics, but I just want to kind of touch on a few things um, real quick from the verses and then kind of move on because I don't want to take a lot of time. Um, but yeah, so this is based on a true story. Panhandler approached him in South Africa, and then the first verse, uh, it kind of goes down, it kind of builds on that premise, you know, uh, 20 on 6, indigenous African only spoke Zulu, 
Um, and then at the end of the first verse, it says, listen to me, I want a single bill from you, the guy says, nothing less, nothing more. I told him I ain't have it and closed my door. And it kind of is a, is a picture into maybe what we do in America, because there's a lot of homelessness going on out there, right? And it's kind of just a nonchalance, like, nah, I ain't got no change, you know, sometimes I've said that before, and I've, you know, I got like dollar and change. I'm like, no, nah, I ain't got no, no. Nah. We do that all the time, right? At the end of the day, do we really care? It's just something to think on. Um, in the second verse, it gets a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more angry, right? Um, it starts out, he's staring at me in disbelief. My temper is building. He's staring at me. I grab my key. He's staring at me. I started the car and tried to leave, and something told me to keep it in park until I could see. And then it goes down. It says, because now I'm staring back at him, feeling some time of disrespect. If I could throw a bat at him, I'd be aiming at his neck. And God kind of spoke to me in a way. This kind of builds on that first verse where obviously it's getting more aggressive. He's getting more angry. Um, and it kind of reminds me of the refrain in America, of the one word that people use a lot for people like this or people on welfare or people that are unemployed and people call them lazy. And that's true. There is some laziness out there, but there's a lot of other things that are tied up in there. And a lot of times we like to just blanket with a lot of different things. We like to blanket it over with just one simple thing. And it's a lot deeper than that. I mean, a lot of, a lot of mental issues are people bringing up now, which are very real. Um, abuse, a lot of things, et cetera. I mean, it's, there's other things to it than just being real degrading and simple and just, oh, it's lazy. They're just lazy. I don't know. And then the third verse, it's a little confrontational. It goes back and forth. Um, read a little bit here. It says, now I comprehend. Um, so they're kind of going back and forth again. I smell grandpa's old medicine reeking from your skin, moonshine and gin. You're babbling. Your words ain't flattering. Said, your gimmick is mediocre. The jig is up. I seen you from a mile away losing focus. But then it flips back on him and he's saying, I'm insensitive and I lack empathy. You looked at me and said, your potential is bittersweet. I looked at him and said, every nickel is mine's to keep. So again, it's almost like he's wrestling. He looked at me and said, know the truth, it'll set you free. You're looking at the Messiah, the son of Jehovah, the higher power, the choir that spoke the word, the Holy Spirit, the nerve of Nazareth, and I'll tell you just how much a dollar costs, the price of having a spot in heaven. Embrace your loss. And really, for this... I really just got the vision that every person you look at is a representation of Christ, right? Everybody's made in the image of God. It's a beautiful picture of empathy because at the end of the day, one, every person is one choice. If you think specifically about this example and, and homelessness, every person is one choice away from making the right choice and getting back on track, Right? But even if they don't, there's a reason why what Jesus did, that, that's, it's called scandalous grace, right? 
And I'm kind of going into this first point. I have three points, um, three, three steps, three points that we can take. And then what I'm saying, it kind of leads into that first, first one. And we'll, we'll go ahead and go into it. It's ask God to give you his heart for people. We could all quote John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. And he gave knowing that even if not one person accepted, he still would have done it. Right? So thinking about, again, going back to the homelessness, if I give this guy money and he uses it for liquor or whatever, but where's my heart at? Scandalous grace. So the first step is ask God. Second one I have is be aware of your bubble. Because we all have a bubble, especially in school, cliques, whatever you call them these days. But we all have bubbles that we, we're into. And we all have people that we surround ourselves with so we don't have to interact with other people Maybe that make us uncomfortable, right? So it was nice for me growing up as biracial. So my dad's black, my mom's white, Polish-Ukrainian, but white. And so growing up, grew up in, I was born in Detroit, grew up in Indianapolis, but I always had, I mean, I had to learn how to code switch real quick, right? Like when I'm around my hood friends, like when I'm around my black family, you know, there's stereotypes for our four reasons. So, you know, I have fried chicken and Kool-Aid. And then when I was around grandma on my mom's side, you know, kielbasa and sauerkraut and all that kind of stuff, right? So it goes both ways. So, but it was kind of nice because I, I learned it real quick about doing that, learning how to act in different situations. But some people don't have that, you know. You have pockets of America that you're surrounded by people that all think the same way as you, all live the same way as you, and you really don't have a, a chance to stretch yourself and to think through things. So even now, like, everybody has a bubble, and so we need to be aware of that. And the third thing I have was to connect with people that don't look like you. And so this is a thing that I think we can, all, we can all act on tomorrow, at school, in your neighborhood. You can probably think of one person right now that, that doesn't look like you, that doesn't act like you, that doesn't think like you, that, that maybe not even be the same religion, but you showing that compassion and you showing that empathy, maybe even if it's just asking a simple question, how's your day going? Going out of your way and slowing down, because I know I'm at work, I can get in a zone where I'm not thinking about anybody else. Clicking on spreadsheets, roasting coffee, boom. But maybe it's a coworker that I can be like, hey, how was your day? Maybe it's somebody, some old friend that I see in the courtyard at work. Like, you know, I sit down and actually talk with them for five minutes and see what's going on in their life. For y'all at school, even if you're homeschooled, talk to your mom. <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, talk to your mom. Don't, don't not talk to your mom. But three steps, ask God, be aware, connect. 
one thing that I was working on, um, I heard at one time on a podcast, said, may our dinner tables reflect the heavens. And I know that's something that the Taylor household needs to work on. The people that we invite over for dinner, <clears throat> they might not even have to believe like we believe, but if they know that we love them, no matter where they're at, no matter who they are, and if everybody does a little bit of that, make this world a better place. Because as the world grows more and more div divisive, if the church can get a hold of this, if the church can live this out, I think it'll be a lot brighter in the near future. Amen? That's all I got. Thank you so much. Hey, keep giving it up for him. That was amazing. And listen, I appreciate his ability to break that down. Wasn't that so easy? Every single one of us in here now knows that we can leave with those three things because sometimes it feels overwhelming when big change needs to occur. But I'm grateful we can start in our community and in our circle. And like he said, we can change who's at our dinner table. I can't, you know, deal with your dinner table, and I can't deal with my coworker's dinner table, but I can affect my dinner table, right? Let's give it up for Justin one more time. Listen. I am truly thankful. Listen, be thankful 